everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I'm Kayla Bowker, professional triathlete, mom to two little boys, and coach at Where Your Feet Take You. I'm here with my amazing co-host, as always, Erin Oliphant. She is a elite amateur age group triathlete, coach at Where Your Feet Take You, and yeah, just all around amazing person. We are here to chat with you, triathlon, our passion for triathlon, coaching, answer your questions, and everything in between. We try to come to you approximately every week. Sometimes we miss a week because of life, but for the most part, we come to you about every week answering, yeah, answering your questions. Um, if you want to send us questions, you can at www.whereyourfeettakeyou.com slash podcast or head over to either one of our Instagrams and shoot us a direct message and we'll do our best to answer your questions on a regular basis. Before we dive into this, I am do want to announce that we are going to be expanding the podcast a little bit so that twice a month we'll be bringing to you guests that we yeah, feel like uh, wanting to interview. So these might be specialists in certain areas, other triathletes, professionals, just bring to you a little bit more of triathlon and kind of share other people's stories. So our first one will kind of be coming up in the next week or so. So keep watching for that. And we're excited to bring you a little bit more triathlon content to the extent that we can. So awesome. Well, we're going to dive right in because we've got some great questions. But first, Erin, how you have, you went to Colorado. How's the weekend? I did go to Colorado. That was kind of a last minute decision. My boyfriend and I drove up on Thursday midday after work. Um, and stayed through Monday. Uh, it was really nice to see some friends. I don't think I lost any fitness. I'm not sure I got any better, but I don't think I got any worse. Uh, and you know, it is what it is. So, yep. Well, you had a good bike work. You had, you had some good workouts this week. You had a great workout on bike. Great bike workout, at least from a data standpoint. Tuesday, and you know, we talk about it a lot here. You do what you can. You focus on where you're at. You stay present within the space that you're in at the moment, and you just focus on day to day. And when you do that, you'll get to where you're going. I know you and I had this conversation a little bit earlier this week about right. You can't can't get to Kona without getting through day to day. So stay within the day to day, and then you go from there. That's all you can do. Yeah. So that's a work in progress, uh, but <laughs> I'm okay. It's been a weird week. Nothing has felt great in basically every aspect of my life and my body, but good news is there's still a lot of time until my next race, Um, and I will figure it out. Have you ridden your new bike outside yet? Saturday. I did for an hour, but Saturday will be my first time where I get to go on the roads and really test it. That's exciting. Super excited. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can really see how it feels. Um, and hopefully it feels fast. It looks fast. So, I mean, if you look fast, usually that means that you're fast, right? I mean, that's, that's right. how it works, right? If you look good, feel good, are good, <laughs> and in all of the in-betweens or something like that. So how are you doing? Good. Uh, also kind of been a funky week a little bit. Not in a bad way, just, you know, I don't know, I'm dealing with some life stress that definitely kind of came to a head yesterday or the other day, um, wasn't sleeping very well because of it. And uh, yesterday I ended up just, I was supposed to do a, a specific swim and I changed it and just kind of floated around in the pool because I just needed some space to my brain, let my brain kind of decompress and just... I could just feel it all kind of bottled up inside of me and I, it just was really affecting training and like how I could think and I just wasn't focused and I just, I don't know, I texted my coach and I said, you know, I, I'm just switching things around a little bit here. I've, I've got some, some stuff on my mind that is a little bit overwhelming at the moment and I needed some space to just do what I needed to do. I still got some sessions in. They just were different sessions. They were easier, so to speak. And I didn't focus on anything besides just kind of letting it as space to kind of unwind versus even training, so to speak. Um, And then even today, I kind of did something similar. I did the workout. I moved one to later in the week because I I couldn't handle doing mentally. I just couldn't handle doing all of them. And 
yeah, that's what kind of where we're at. We're starting fresh tomorrow. Hopefully, I got a really big weekend-ish big session tomorrow, a run, bike, run type day, and then solid ride on Saturday, some running, trying to really find, like sharpen up my speed because um, I seem to have lost a lot of speed. And so with, with some 70.3s kind of coming up, Augusta and then uh, Cabo 70.3, I'm trying to refine refine some speed in my legs. <laughs> I'm not sure where it disappeared to. I think I left it in Spokane. <laughs> well, we seem to be in a very, very similar place, both in life and our bodies right now. So at least you're not in it alone. Yeah, right. I mean, I know there's a lot of other people that are kind of feeling the same way. So it's it's important in these spaces to, you know, honor that feeling but also still honor your commitment at the same time. So it's like that space, right? That space where like you need to honor how you're feeling and, and, and your body in like, and like like yesterday, I really needed to honor the fact that I had this stress. I didn't sleep because of it. And I could just feel it like tightening everything up. And I had a horrible headache from it, but I knew that I needed to still move and I still needed to train because it would help me to unwind. And so I just respected that in the space that I could. You're not alone if you're feeling that way. Even even the professionals, even though I'm just a rookie professional, but we feel this way too sometimes for a lot of multitudes of reasons. And it's part it's part of the process, it's part of training, it's part of life. Respect it. It's okay. Move on. I didn't lose anything from it. So but hopefully tomorrow's better. I'm kind of digging the cooler weather that we're experiencing. Feels I good. don't think it's supposed to stay that way. I'm not fully no, I sure. I don't think it is either. <laughs> but I like <laughs> opened up the whole house this morning. Like I think it was like 78 degrees out, which felt like 65. <laughs> and it opened the whole house up and it felt so good. Smelled good. Well, I went good. for a run the other evening and I walked out and I ran and I was like, oh, it feels cool. But my times were still slow. And then I looked at the temperature and it was when still it was like 98 up. degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's still like, okay, it's fine. Don't worry. You're fine. It's, right. it's still, hun- it's still 100 going. degrees out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other fun thing that's going on in our house is so Skylar's in T-ball. And last night he got his uniform. Oh. And it was the cutest thing in the whole world. He came home from practice and he had his little t-ball shirt on and his hat, his little baseball cap, and he's number one. And he thought it was so cool. And he was grinning ear to ear and he was so proud of himself. Um, it was, it was really cool. Um, and this morning he had to wear it to daycare or to school. He had to wear his jersey to school because he wanted to show his teacher. So we had to wash it at like nine o'clock at night last night. <laughs> <laughs> and then Baylor, of course, he had to wear, Baylor doesn't know how to say baseball. He calls it ball ball. So he had to wear a ball ball shirt so bad. He was like crying, ball ball, ball ball, ball ball shirt. Aww. So we found him a baseball, a mariner shirt. And so they both wore their ball ball shirts to school. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> it was so cute. We start t-ball games next week which i don't i do not understand how that's going to work it's basically just going to be a bunch of kids running around it is yeah you won't know what you're watching but they'll be having fun (laughs) you tell them to run to second and they just keep running they just or they run to the pitcher's mound or they um, skip bases and it's yeah it's a mess but it's a lot of fun so it's really cute. And and he loves it. So he's really excited about it. So is Baylor. Baylor wants to go so bad. Baylor actually slept with his baseball mitt the other night. Yeah. So cute. He brought it to bed and I couldn't take it from him until he fell asleep. Well, so from the time yeah. I've spent with them, Baylor wants to do everything Skylar does. <laughs> everything. Riding a bike without training wheels when he's never even rode the strider yet. Yep. You nailed it. That would be Baylor. (laughs) 
everything. Yep. He is he wants to be just like Sky Guy. That's what he calls him. Sky Guy. He wants to be just like him. But that's what brothers are little brothers are for, I guess. So um yeah. But Alrighty, well, let's move on to some of our questions here. Um, speaking about heat, one of our questions was about heat acclimation. They just wanted to know if we had any some any tips. Part of me wanted to say, I don't know, I died this summer, so I don't know if I have great tips. But um, but there are some things that you can do. I think we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast before. Um, and I mean, in reality, the 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 best thing for heat is to be in the heat. Um, now, the type of heat that Aaron and I both live in, you actually want to don't spend tons of time in because it's such a high stress on the body that you're going to create too much fatigue. But if you are somewhere where like the highs are, you know, 85, 90, 90, even 95, like where that's like the peak time frame, um, you want to spend time in it because it's going to benefit you down the road. I know, like Aaron, you've said multiple times that you felt like in Kona, you were so prepared for it just from a heat standpoint yes. because you spent time in the heat um, and that gave you an edge. Yeah, I definitely think it does. And one thing I will say is if you, if the hottest you've ever trained in is 80 and you want to get heat acclimated, don't come to Arizona in the middle of the summer for like no. a heat acclimation camp. That's just stupid. Ease yourself Correct. into the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, Try if you can. I mean, weather's hard, but you can kind of go based on time of day if you can just kind of progress to the point where you can run when it's hotter and hotter and have your body become more comfortable to that. You can kind of tell by your heart rate a little bit if you're acclimated mm-hmm. and take it in steps at a time and vary the types of workouts you're doing in the heat. Um, so you're just not destroying yourself, but you're also getting different benefits from training in the heat. Yeah. If you're trying to start that process, you definitely don't want to do high intensity sessions in the heat. You're better off doing those. Like if, if it is, even if you are somewhere where, you know, your days, you're trying to get heat acclimated and you're now switching. It's, you know, we went from the sixties and now in the summer, you know, 95s or whatever, um, doing your really high intensity sessions inside, so that you're getting that intensity and the adaptation from that, but then doing your longer, your aerobic stuff or your easy stuff outside in the heat of the day, that can be one way um, to get heat acclimation. And if you're somewhere where you're just not, the heat's, you know, very medium, um, you can do other things to help with that. There are sauna protocols um, where basically you just, you go to a sauna and you sit in it for you know, incremental amounts of time, then you, after workouts, you know, immediately after the key with heat acclimation is you're basically just training your body, your core, your body to be able to handle your core temperature being higher. Um, and so, you know, you can also do sessions inside with the heat turned up, um, wearing layers. It's, it's all, it, it's all about kind of training your body to be able to handle the fact that your core temperature is so much higher. Um, I I think an easy one for most people, and this is something I do just because I have not purchased one yet, uh, but not using a fan when you're on the trainer um, can make a big difference in terms of your core temperature rising and kind of getting used to riding at hotter temperatures and having your body learn to almost sweat more. Yeah. Yep. And it's a, that's exactly right. And then you kind of learn to feel, right? Because when you ride there, you don't have the wind. When you're doing that, you don't even have the wind to take away the um, kind of help with the sweat. So you're feeling your body sweat that much. Yeah. Um, and that's you a really, really great one. too if you really want to get hot with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think Paula Findlay talked about that on that Triathlon Life podcast, how she was doing a heat training protocol for Milwaukee because they were con- – there's potential that Milwaukee was going to be really hot. Um, and she didn't, you know, she didn't get into a lot of detail, but basically what she talked about was this, that she was doing, um, her easier sessions inside on the trainer with a, uh, heater blasting at her, um, and kind of paying attention to where her core temperature was getting, um, and trying to prolong the time that she spent to doing that without her core temperature kind of getting to a certain point. So, you know, those are kind of the easy ways to do it if you don't have access to hot temperatures. 
And I think it's important to pay attention then to how your body's feeling, because if you start to feel like feverish, you've probably gone too far and put way way too far on your body. Um, You've got to up the hydration when you do it. You probably got to update your, uh, upgrade your salt intake, like just be really cognizant of the way your body's reacting to it. And how you're recovering from it. I mean, that's something I've learned this summer. That's one of the biggest learnings that I learned is that the extra stress from the heat means that I, I, it was harder for me to recover. And so, you know, in reality, maybe that meant that I couldn't back up. Like I, I had a hard time backing up hard, hard sessions back to back to back. I'd have to do like one or two hard sessions. And then I have to take an easy day because I wasn't recovering. So really paying attention to how your body is responding is really key. Um, that's a really good point. Um, so heat acclimation is, uh, is a hard one. Um, the, the best way is to spend time in it, but there's also a balance between spending too much time in the heat and not, um, again, you know, your body not recovering. So if you are someone who is training for Kona, we've got about five weeks and it is a good time frame to start some of these little small procedures, whether that be sauna protocol or training in, 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 a, in a hot room. Um, but doing it in small increments is actually just as beneficial too. So don't, again, don't go, boom, I'm going to do my five hour ride in with a sweatshirt on no fan and the heat turned up in my room because guess what? It's going to suck. And it's not only that, you're probably going to put too much stress in your body and you're going to have to take extra time off that you didn't want to. So paying attention to those things is really important and be patient with it. And yeah, like Aaron said, don't necessarily come to Arizona for a week and expect to be able to nail things because you won't. Because what I've learned is that it takes like a whole summer to figure it out. <laughs> and then <Exactly>. some. <laughs> I've got my fingers crossed that next summer's better and that my body responds to it a little bit better. But I think there's other reasons why I didn't respond to it that it had a lot to do with what we talked about in our last podcast and not eating enough calories, blood sugar issues that I'm working on. So, um, yeah. Sure. Um, Awesome. Okay. So the next question is somebody asked us what um what our thoughts and predictions were for Iron Man Nice that's coming up. So for those of you that are not sure, uh men's world championships is this weekend and it's in Nice, France. Um it looks amazing. The course looks really, really fabulous, very challenging, very honest, very fun. Um and I don't know. Um, I think it's be exciting to watch. I think there's a, from a professional standpoint, the men's field is really exciting. Uh, do I have great predictions? Not really. I'm, <laughs> I just, I think it'll be fun to watch. It's a bummer though that it's like in the middle of the night. So I'm going to be watching recaps of it more than anything than actually watching it. I don't know. I think it's a course that is going to potentially, like, I think, you're going to find, I think there's going to be some surprises of people that you're not expecting to do well are going to do well. I think it's definitely a course that benefits good bikers, which is not always the case. I mean, especially I feel like at Kona that really doesn't have any technicality to it. And yeah. there's way more group riding because there's not like pitchy hills to kind of mm-hmm. bypass and stuff. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. I think. Yeah, name-wise, I don't know, Patrick Ling, if Jan races, maybe Jan, but I don't know if the bike course is really the best fit for Jan, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, those are just a couple names that came to my head right away. It will be cool. It makes, I, I'm I'm excited to watch it, and I'm, I don't know. I may, I like just seeing videos of the course. I'm like, oh, do I want to do Nice next year? Because I'm not planning on it. I mean, that's very expensive. I don't really have that type of money. But I think I've been doing a lot of mountain biking and so I've become pretty good at bike handling Mm -hmm. skills and I'm pretty fearless. So descending fast and taking turns and arrow and fast doesn't really frighten me. So that's the one thing I'll say about me. Yeah. It's making me question whether I want to do it or not. But You know, I didn't know if it would get me excited but there's like a piece of me kind of similar, like watching this and kind of seeing the buildup and kind of watching some of the videos and stuff. Uh, I was like, 
yeah, I could do that. Like, that looks awesome. That's exciting. Like I could get behind, I, I kind of want to try to qualify. Like it actually made me feel that way. Um, which is the point, right? It, It, that's how, that's how we should feel. And, um, I mean, it just looks so beautiful there. And everybody that's ever done like the Iron the, the Iron Man version and then the 70.3, I mean, no one has said a bad thing about the race previously. It's just different that it's in it's a world championship in the, most, in the moment. I don't know. I'm excited to see how it goes. I think there's some people that – like I'm excited to see how Cam Worf does. He's finally yeah. training, like specifically training for – Top five. Yeah, he's in there. I would agree. I think he's going to be a player. Um, it's hard to go against Jan. And there's like this space that he's such a master class when he's out there that to see him like pull something out like that again, it's hard to bet against him if he, you know, if he ends up, you know, healthy on the start line. Um, I would assume he's on Canyon's bike built specifically for this. If that is indeed a real thing, I tried to pull up pictures of it today and I'm a little confused, but you know, I'm getting so many, like, right. I saw, I was paying attention. And so like we saw what Sam Laidlow, maybe quote unquote was maybe doing, but then they keep doing all this stuff for like what Jan Frodeno is doing on like his new speed max. And it looks the same to me. So So that's how I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? You know, it's kind of cool and like innovative. And I think that's like one of the, right. As someone who is, likes to be kind of creative, like I find the innovation behind that really cool. But at the same time, it's, it's still a triathlon race and there's plenty of, there's plenty of flat spots and yes, descents that, you know, (laughs) Just a triathlon bike is going to be just fine. So I don't know. Anyways, that was kind of our thoughts. I thought it'd be fun just to touch on it a little (laughs) bit. Um, I'm excited to watch it and watch recaps. Um, I don't know what times it starts for us in the U.S. Midnight, maybe. I think they're. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I won't be up. (laughs) I won't either. I'm kind of hoping maybe I wake up and it's like the tail end of the run and I can watch the very last pieces and then watch recaps. Um, well, but then you're going to be riding in the heat. It's true. And I do have a two and a half hour ride, which is not bad. I could ride that in the heat. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> kind of depends. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So I think we're both in the same space. We don't really have great predictions, but <laughs> we're just excited to see who's going to, who's going to take it home at the end of the I day. I feel like I've paid a lot more attention to women's racing this year. So maybe Kona will have better predictions. I think Kona could be really cool. There's just so many I women really that want to race. I like don't know if she's going to, but I. Think but here's so my cool. question on that: Where did she qualify? She hasn't. That's, That's no. not fair to me. No, like you don't just get to be invited, right? <laughs> I agree. I can see how, like, like technically, Gustav Eden and um, Christian Blumenfeld could have raced Nice because they were in the top three, and I think. The new thing is, is if you're in the top three, you get auto qualification. I think that's the new way. You don't have to validate or anything like that. But to me, you shouldn't just be able to be invited. You got to do an Ironman. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. I guess if you win, well, there's no pro field at Hawaii 70.3, right? Mm -mm. Yeah. So she hasn't qualified. To me, she hasn't qualified. So how it's not fair that she should just get to do it because she's Taylor Nib. That's a very valid point. Because there's a lot of other women that would love a chance to do it, and they've all worked their asses off to qualify or try to qualify. Just because you're Taylor Nib doesn't mean you should get to do it. Though it would be very cool to see at the same time. It'd be fun to see. So it's yeah. There's that. There's you those pieces of it. There. Also, yeah. like, could she hold on to an Iron Man? Like Iron Man training is completely different. So it would just be fun mm-hmm. to watch. It would. Yeah. But I think I think the women I think the women are going to light it up. There's just some amazing, so many amazing women out there. I mean, after Daniela Reeves' performance at Roth, and then you got Chelsea Sodaro starting to come back into form. Lucy Charles, uh, Annie. Ha- I mean, list list Annie Howe. The list can go on and on. Fenella Langridge likes to, you know, she shows up on these days. I, Sky Munch could be a player. You never know. Just. 
there's so many women out there. I mean, it's so cool that there's that many strong women now in the field um, yeah. that that can be players. And you just don't know who, who's going to – you just don't know. Anybody could shine. But that's what that's why, why world championship racing is so awesome because you never know. Yeah. I mean, look at look at look at the men's seventy point three worlds. Rico Bergen. I don't know if I said his last name right, but shout out to Koo. Yeah, I mean, not it's incredible. You, know? you never know who's going to win, and it's awesome, yeah. and it gives people a chance to shine. And I think what's really cool about triathlon and well, really any sport is you have to get to the day and show up on the day for mm-hmm. it to matter. You're the best in the world, but if you don't know how to control your training or just control your racing to get to the start line healthy and ready to go, then you're not yeah. going to win the world championship. Yeah. You have to show up and everybody's good. And if you're the one that shows up, then you're one step ahead. Um, so... That's kind of a uh, kind of a good segue a little bit. We you know talking about sport. Uh, one of the questions that was asked, and I thought this was a fun question. Um, it the it was, we were asked, what sport would you do if you had to quit triathlon right now? Like if somebody was like, you have to quit triathlon right now. What sport would you do? Would you do a sport? I would. I'd say in sport. Um, I'd go I to mean, road cycling. I... So you choose one of the three. <laughs> I choose one of the three. <laughs> I'm an endurance junkie. It's just the way that it is. <laughs> um, I want to be. I want to be Sepp Kuss. I don't know if you're following at all the Vuelta that's going on, or if anybody listening here is following road cycling. But Sepp Kuss, Colorado native, crushing the Vuelta right now. Nobody anticipated that he'd be there. He's like the world's best domestique. That's what I want to be. I think that'd be cool. That would be cool. Um, I mm, I think it depends if I'm like trying to – well, I need something that I'd be competitive with. I need a competition still. You wouldn't build to not be competitive. That's not in your DNA. <laughs> um, I think downhill skiing if I lived in a place where it was snowy more often. Oh, um, yes. I could really do that. Downhill skiing. Well, you did that. go back to that. I did that. Yeah. Uh, that's a uh, good point. If I had to go back to something, I would 100% go back. But I do big, big mountain skiing, like uh, Ingrid Backstrom, for those of you that pay attention to it. But she was my idol growing up. I thought she was – she lives in uh, Washington State um, now. Um, and she did like big, big mountain type skiing where come down and that's what I would do, 100%. I think that'd be fun. I I don't know, like if my hips were better, getting back into soccer in some capacity would be fun. Um, but after the labrum surgeries, I can't really do any cutting motions without pretty sharp pain. So that probably wouldn't be an option. And I'm really liking downhill mountain biking recently. So maybe that. I wish I have you do an Xterra next year. Maybe. I don't really have the bike for it, but maybe. No, yeah, you'd have to. You'd have to get a different bike, probably. Yeah. Um, but we can keep it in the back of our minds. Also, <laughs> biking uphill on a mountain bike kind of sucks, and I didn't think very I'd slow. Have- it's so slow. Like I don't mind biking uphill on a road bike at all. Like, give me a ton of elevation gain. Like, I might not be the best at it, but I enjoy it. There is nothing I enjoy about biking uphill on a mountain bike. <laughs> Me either. It's why I don't mountain bike. Because <laughs> I feel like for me, I'm so bad. One, I'm so bad at it too. Like I could walk faster. <laughs> exactly. So I don't like it. Um, I've been doing downhill mountain biking, um, which yes, the potential of injury increases, which here I am. Um, but it's so fun just to put your bike on the lift and go up and just fine flow going down mm-hmm. yeah so it's kind of yeah like you said it's kind of that flow state a little yeah, bit same that you can find. yeah i love speed which is why i think i love descending on my bike like i just yeah. love going fast no then you need to do a uh, iron man niece <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah um but yeah that's fun i think that was a fun question um it was uh, sent to me on Instagram, so thank you for the person who sent that in because it really kind of got me thinking, you know, I don't know, 
be hard for me. It, it just always comes down to anything like endurance wise. I'm going to stick with because that's just kind of where I fall. I've been a runner and triathlon. I would definitely not go into long distance swimming though because that would suck. <laughs> I have no interest in doing that. <laughs> No, but for weirdly enough, I did think of you the other day and I was like, Aaron would be a very good 10K open water swimmer. You'd be very good at it because you're a naturally good open water swimmer. Um, right? Like sometimes you get athletes like swimmers yeah. that transition to like triathlon or open water and they do okay. They do good. They're, you know, natural swimmers, but you are, you're inherently very good at it. Um, yeah. And so you would probably be very good at it because you have great endurance and you're a good open water swimmer. Um, yeah, but it just it looks just miserable. It's for me, it's the goggles. I don't want goggles on my eyes for more than an hour. Oh, right. I totally agree with that. It's one of the reasons I hate 5K swims because they take me, well, one, they take me forever. But two, by the time I'm done, like, my poor face hurts so bad. <laughs> That's really the biggest turnoff. And I just get bored. I get less bored in a race. So maybe I could do it. But the training for it sucks. And mm -hmm. the goggle thing. All about the goggle thing. We're yeah. like full of segues because this is an amazing segue because one of the other next questions we had <laughs> was, what is the best anti-fog for goggles? Learning to deal with it. As I say, you just kind of <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> Honestly, there's not. I mean. There, you could buy the spray. You can spit into your goggles and kind of pour the spit out. But none of it really um, works. Yeah, it's the anti-fog that comes on the goggles is going to scratch and wear off in the first few times you use them. And then you just get used to just sliding your thumbs under and wiping them after every yeah. time you're on the wall. Um, my thing is like, I know my mom buys a new pair of socks before every race. My thing is, goggles. is I buy a new pair of goggles before every race. Every race. So <laughs> every race I do it. Even if I race, like the only time I don't do it is if I race a week, like back to back weekends, but if there's more than like a week or two in between races for me, I buy new goggles. Yeah. It's like a weird, I want brand new goggles. I want the new suction. I want, I want the new, no scratches, no, clear, no fog, mm -hmm. no fog. And for that, I've never actually had an issue when, when I, when I, when I do use new goggles. So that's probably our biggest, best tip is yeah. just buy yeah. new goggles. That's where like my goggles cost 20 bucks. So if you're not using super high on goggles, it's definitely easier to do. Yeah. And I mean, for the most part, like, you know, for me, I use the Roka goggles and we have a team discount um, and that they're like $24. Yeah. Right. Um, we spend a lot more money on other things. I can yeah. spend $24. Be able to see during your swim and not be frustrated out of your mind. Think or have them leaking. Yeah. 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 Um, so definitely just buy new goggles. It's one of the keys. Um yeah. Technically, yeah. People say you can spit in them. I don't know. Never worked for me. I've tried it a couple of times. And then I just feel kind of disgusted because I've spit in my goggles. Yeah. So. This isn't related to fogging, but um, I would try to either avoid putting lotion where you put your goggles. Yes. Or like getting your face wet and then using a towel to wipe that area before putting your goggles on. Because that will just prevent your goggles from sliding and let in less moisture where they do get foggy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like if you're putting or so say race morning, you're putting on sunscreen. One, put it on super early so that it's really soaked in so that you're not putting goggles on over the top of something that has sunscreen on. But if you do put sunscreen on kind of in that space, right around the goggle line, wipe it off. Because um, yeah, you're right. They won't stick as well. And so then you're going to get water in them or, or you get on your goggles, your eyeball, or it's just better to have yep. that area clear. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, awesome. Um, okay. So our next question was transition tips. And I thought that it was a little bit vague. Um, this was from Carly and she didn't give me a lot of detail. Um, she just said transition tips. And I think she's basically getting at how to be more efficient in transition. Mm -hmm. um, I am like the slowest transitioner in the entire world. So not really sure I have great tips. It's actually something I think I need to work on. <laughs> because in the professional level, you have to be fast in transition. <laughs> like they sprint through transition. They run super fast. They put their stuff on fast. 
And I don't do that. I can run fast through it, but I don't, I don't sprint through it very well. Um, so yeah, transition tips to be efficient. Um, Great question. <laughs> I think we're both like, huh, neither one of us are very fast. <laughs> I remember USAT nationals last year, my add up of my transitions was like two minutes slower than anybody else in the top 20. Yeah. Like, this is great. That sounds like me. Um, I think, yeah, you want to like run through them at a decent speed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not calf cramping, which has been my issue at quite a few hands yeah. um, or two, but mm-hmm. start taking your wetsuit off as you're running into transitioning, yes. cap and goggles off just in your hand. Uh, lube your ankles and wrists so your wetsuit slides off easy. Um, and T1. Mm-hmm. Have your if you're hair. Per, have your hair fit so your helmet fits underneath it so you're not messing with that. Um, you know, T, T1 is really more about the wetsuit. Like, get the wetsuit off quickly. Okay. Get your shoes on um, if you, you know, are putting your shoes on and just kind of go. For T2, one thing that you can do is put, like, your hat. If you're wearing a hat, put your stuff in the hat. So put your glasses, sunglasses, put your race belt, put your nutrition, put everything in the hat. And then all you do is you put your shoes on and you grab the hat and you start running and then you put everything on while you're running. So then you're already moving um, versus standing there and putting everything on. Um, But again, like sometimes in like full distance races, you're in a change tent anyways, right? And you kind of have to dump everything out and you have to put things back in the bag and you can only do so much to be speedy. So my other piece of advice is become a really, really good swimmer where you're one of the only ones in the change tent. So you have like two volunteers working with you. Yes, that is helpful because then they do everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, point. speed laces. I don't know why, but it took me until Kona last year to put speed laces on my shoes. But that saves at least a minute right there, I think. So Yes. you. It. If you're not wearing speed laces, you should be. hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah, that makes it easier. So... And if you feel really uncomfortable and you really like, here's the one thing is one is if you need to, don't stress on it too much. If you can go through it smoothly, you're going to be fast. If you need to take your time, take your time. At the end of the day, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I think take some deep breaths, honestly, because if you're trying to like, if you get really anxious and transition, And you feel like you need to go super, super fast, you're probably going to get jittery and it's not going to be as easy to do. I mean, I remember at Ironman Texas, which was my first Ironman, I was like super anxious to get on the bike and I forgot how to clip in. Like, I, oh, forgot, I did that too. <laughs> I forgot that I had to keep, like, because when I get on the trainer, I clip a foot in before I swing my other leg over. Mm-hmm. And that's like what I was trying to do at Ironman Texas. And, that's not how it works when you're not on a trainer. So yep. I just couldn't get in. My pocket kept getting stuck on my seat or I couldn't get my legs over my bottles. It took like two minutes of me standing there and spectators being like, has this girl even like rode a bike before? Because I just could not get on my bike. That <laughs> is so funny you say that because I did the same thing at St. George. And it's even more embarrassing because you're in the professional field and they're like hopping on their bikes. <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't get my foot on top of it and I almost fell off of my bike I like (laughs) oh yeah so practice practice (laughs) deep breath 100 percent um awesome um okay and our last question was how to have a bold goal. And I liked this. And I liked how they said like a bold goal. Like we've talked about this before, right? Like we both, um, and my, you know, my, me, especially with kind of how I like to do things. Like I really believe that you have to have bold goals, big goals, and you have to be not afraid to say them out loud. But that, but the thing that we have to remember with bold goals is that sometimes they take a while to achieve. 
or if we use myself as the example, I set in motion that I wanted to be a professional triathlete like six years ago. That's how long it took me. Six years. But I stuck with it. And, um, you know, so I think sometimes you, you have to not be afraid to have a goal that's going to take you a long time. And that's awesome. And it can really allow you to be really fearless. And, but it also can be really challenging. So they were just kind of wanting like, how do we, saying these big goals is, is awesome and, and fabulous, but how do we stick with them? How do we stay with yeah. them? I think this is an interesting question because it's something that in a way I've been having a hard time with. Like, it's no secret if you've been listening to this podcast that I have this goal of going pro and triathlon someday. Um, But at the same time, I have been wanting to do other hobbies and other activities in my life. Um, like I do really enjoy downhill mountain biking and I really do enjoy skiing and I enjoy spending time with friends. Um, and I have a lot of regrets from my swim career about not doing a lot of the things that like a normal high schooler would do, um, because I was so committed to swimming. Um, but I almost feel like a fraud having this goal of going pro and triathlon because I know I'm not the most committed to it, the most dedicated to it. And that makes me feel like I'm not the most deserving of the goal, um, which has been a really hard feeling for me. But I Mm -hmm. think for me, it's still important to have that goal because I, it still gets me through each workout. And I think for me, the focus has to be staying present in the moment that I'm in. Um, So when I'm working out, keeping that goal in mind. And when I'm training, just knowing like, Hey, that's my goal. That's why we're going through this pain right now is because I have this goal of going pro because I think it would be super fun to race the pros on the swim and the bike. And maybe one day I'll feel that way about the run. Not right now. (laughs) Um, But sticking to that. And then when I'm having fun and doing my other hobbies, just being present in that moment and kind of letting the training go. Um, so I'm not fully invested and fully obsessed with this sport. Um, because I do know for me, another goal in my life is just to enjoy life and enjoy multiple aspects of life, but it is hard. I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that in ramble made any sense. No. Or if it- Related. Well, I think that actually really is great because it's like a conversation that you and I have had, right? And I think my response to you was a couple things. It was exactly that one. It's okay. Stay present. And, but that came from the concept of remember, we, this is a big, this is a bold goal that we're not trying to tackle right now. Yeah. Right. And, and understanding that. And right when we talked about how we were, you were maybe feeling a lot of this pressure because it was like, do I need, I need to do be all in right now? And it's like, well, no, you need to be all in for you right now, for who you are in this moment. And that is you being all in, knowing that this is a long term thing. This is something that we're working towards, right? I even told you, I was like, if you were to tell me, if you qualified for your pro license today, I would, as your coach and friend, I would tell you not to take it because you're not ready. And so one, when you're talking about bold goals is understanding the, understanding the journey of the goal and really being willing to look at what that is and knowing that there, there is still a lot of aspects to achieving that goal. Um, and that's, you know, that's staying present focusing on where you're at right now and growing within yourself as an athlete at this moment to then be able to get to where you want to go down the line. And so when we have really bold goals, we have to use them as, use. I mean, it's a silly saying, but use them as the carrot, as a thing that does help you to stay disciplined when you need to be disciplined. But knowing that it doesn't always mean you have to be right. You don't have to be a thousand percent to be a thousand percent. We've talked about that on the podcast before. Um, so, you know, my tips for this is, is a couple of things. One, and I think you were touching on this a little bit when you were just talking, you have to be willing to feel the emotions around it, right? Because these, these goals are hard and they're scared and, they, and they're, they're big and they take a long time. I mean, right. It took me six years 
And I had a lot of things that happened in between there, right? I, I, I had two babies, the pandemic. I got hit by a car twice. <laughs> I, I, I had bad races. I, I had things that didn't go well. And I allowed myself to feel the emotions around it. Because when you're willing to feel all the emotions that you're experiencing, it becomes really powerful because you become a lot more in tune with who you are. And so I think, you know, us having that conversation that we had a couple weeks ago was really helpful for that because it allowed you then to remind yourself like, hey, this is something that I want to achieve and want to reach, but I don't need it to achieve it at this exact second. Doesn't mean that I'm not working towards it. Yeah. It just means that exactly. I have some grace for myself. And as you said, it's not a goal that I'm trying to get right now. And I think that's with every goal, even with like my goals that I have in Kona for five weeks and five weeks, I'm not trying to do that right at this moment. That's five weeks from now. You just got to keep making the steps mm-hmm. today to reach small that very goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that kind of goes back to staying in the moment, staying where you are being present with yourself. Um, and, and setting those small goals, right? Every yeah. big, huge goal has micro steps, little goals, sub goals in there, right? I mean, even in reality, like if we talk about just if you're someone who wants to qualify for Kona, to qualify for Kona, you have to have sub goals in there, right? So you have to have a goal of qualifying, well, to qualify, you have to have a goal of taking top one to six in your age group, depending on the, the race that you're doing. Okay, to have that, you have to have, you know, process goals. Maybe you have to have a goal to even get yourself to the start of a full distance Ironman, right? There's all these little steps that have to come in between. So focusing on those allows you to have this really bold goal, stay present, And then the next piece I think that's really important in there is to celebrate the little things that happen. And that's something that we've been working with you to get to do a little bit more. Celebrate the powerful things that you accomplish along the way. And even within failure, even if the whole day is a little bit of a failure, celebrating what went well. The things that you learn, the things that you grow. I mean, that's something that, that I've really had to focus on this year in my journey, in, in my professional journey, because and, and it's been a little bit of a bummer year from a race standpoint, from where I thought I could be and where I wanted to be. But I've learned a lot and I've had a lot of good things and a lot of growth within it. And when I sit down and focus on celebrating those growths, I get more excited about, hey, what's next and what can I do? How can I improve and stay on top of wanting to do it versus wanting to give up and not go for it? Exactly. And- that's what I was going to say. And celebrating those little goals make the big goal way less scary. And I think it gives you the room where if you don't reach that big goal, you can still be pretty damn proud of yourself for all of the things that you achieved trying to get to that goal instead of just being super disappointed in the end. Um, ideally, we all want to get the big goal. But reality is when we set really big goals, sometimes they might not happen. And when you set those little goals and you're able to celebrate all the accomplishments you made along the way to trying to achieve that big goal, you can be really proud of yourself in the end and have no regrets about Mm -hmm. what you tried to do because you know you went after it and gave it what you got. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that. And I think that's powerful. Um, So really don't be afraid to set big goals. They're, there was a athlete that reached out to us to for coaching and in that in that she mentioned that she had a moment of weakness and signed up for her first 70.3 and i responded it's not a moment of weakness it's a moment of courage right that's her bold goal she just did something crazy and that takes courage i always like to say it takes it takes 15 seconds of like insane mind numbing mind blowing courage to de- to decide to do something and when you can embrace that, it's really powerful. So don't be afraid. It's not a moment of weakness to set something, do something crazy. It's a moment of courage. And when you can look at it that way, it's really exciting and fun. And it makes it makes you more willing to maybe tackle that crazy goal that you were trying to achieve. 15 seconds of courage. That's what I was going to say. 
or 15 seconds of financial stupidity, but that's okay. That too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not afraid to be honest on here. That is 100% true. Yes, 15 <laughs> seconds of courage as well, more importantly so and more excitingly so. Exactly. We're going to look at it from that angle versus uh, when your credit card starts to cry a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, but I I do think it's just, I mean, we're, I'm all for big goals. It's, And I think it's important to realize when you set big goals it, that they may take a while and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're failing at them. It just means sometimes it takes a while. But you're going to learn a lot along the way and you're going to become a different person. You're going to grow more. You're going to expand. And that's that's the point of it. And whenever you are willing to learn to set really big goals, then you're always willing to continue to reach for the next one. And you never. it's harder to feel. I have found as I learned to set really big goals for myself, it became harder to always feel like, okay, I've accomplished that. What next? Like I'm kind of lost. Because I was always able to then like find out what's that next big scary goal because I taught myself to, you know, shoot for the stars. I don't know. Worked for me. I like it. Awesome. All righty. Well, those were our questions for the week. Thank you, everybody. Those were awesome. Those were really fun. Um, Stay tuned for the introduction of some of our guest speakers coming up. And as always, if you want to send Aaron and I questions, you can send them to www. I think I maybe said too many W's. <laughs> dot wherefeetakeyou.com slash podcast. You can also support us by heading over to the website and grabbing a swim cap or a um, hat. We still have quite a few of them in our store and they are awesome. I highly recommend them. And then, um, as always, please share this on your social media platforms or with your family members that are interested in, I don't know, triathlon. You know, we, I mean, we, as you know, we don't necessarily talk about just triathlon. We talk about all things kind of in between. So um, the more eyes and ears that we have on this podcast, the more that uh, it gets put out there and recommended. So we appreciate everybody that listens and supports us as it is for now. Um, and if you have a second, please leave us a positive review because, again, that just allows us that our platforms then show this podcast to people who maybe are interested in similar topics and just gets it out there a little bit more. And that way we can reach more people and maybe get more people interested in the sport, get them to set a big, crazy, bold goal and chase something that they didn't know that they're maybe willing to chase. And we, that's what we're, that's what we like to do. That's our whole goal here. So, uh, we will see you guys next week. Happy racing and training everybody.